today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So I was just really frustrated as an entrepreneur that I had like all of these great other services, uh, which improved over time, but banking was this kind of static thing that I was forced to use and rely on um, that I was never happy about. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. As a founder of a tech startup, Imad Akun found that the banks his firm used were all lost in a sea of mediocrity and sameness. He was surrounded by services in other parts of his business that were fresh, fast, and worked well. His frustration with banking led him to found and lead Mercury, a bank for startups. The company has a lot of big Silicon Valley names as angel investors. People like Andreessen Horowitz, Plaid's Zach Parrott, Allison Barr from Uber Money, Bill Clerico at WePay, and Roger Smith, founder of Silicon Valley Bank. Mercury provides API access to its services that include virtual cards, team management, and business analytics on top of an FDIC-insured bank account. Amanda Kund is our guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Tearsheet's Embedded Conference is an event that brings together financial institutions, technology players, and other firms from industries outside of finance adopting financial services. It isn't about banks versus non-banks. The Embedded Conference is about collaboration and tapping into the best each player in the ecosystem can offer. The nature of the financial institution is changing. Embedded Finance turns every app, software, retailer, and business into a bank, and people are responding in kind. With the uptake of Embedded Finance, consumers are showing that they want a bank with the brands they love. We've got a star-studded lineup of senior leaders from Goldman Sachs, Marketa, Galileo, Q2, and so many more presenting on the future of Embedded Finance. To learn more and register, go to Tearsheet.co and click on Events in the top navigation. Isaac, I'm Imad. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mercury. Mercury is banking built for startups. Uh, we're a challenger bank based in the U.S. Uh, we give people a checking account, savings account, debit cards, uh, as well as ad- additional features that are appropriate to startups. Uh, we have an API, we have virtual cards, uh, and yeah, you know, we basically give you a fully featured kind of business bank account that's suitable for your needs. Great. And before we jump into Mercury, I want to hear more about your background. Um, what have you done previously and how, if, if there is a thread, how did that lead to you starting up a, a startup bank? Uh, you know, the main thread is I've just been an entrepreneur for a very long time. So I did my first startup in 2006 in London, which is where I grew up. Uh, that didn't work out, but I kind of got addicted to the, <laughs> to the startup world <laughs> and I moved to San Francisco uh, and I did two more startups. Uh, the long one was from 2008 to 2016. It was called Hazap, which is a, uh, I had a few different lives, but eventually ended up being a developer tool for app developers to ha- help them maximize how much money they made from advertising. Uh, and it was there actually in 2013 that I had the idea for Mercury. I just, you know, I couldn't understand why banks kind of were so bad, <laughs> especially yeah, in the UK, actually banks are a little better. Uh, and in the US, they've kind of even further behind uh, in technology and the experience and the fees they charge you. Uh, so I was just really frustrated as an entrepreneur that I had like all of these great other services, uh, which improved over time, but banking was this kind of static thing that I was forced to use and rely on um, that I was never happy about. Did you do the whole Silicon Valley bank thing back when you raised money or? Yeah, I did. You yeah. know, I did all sorts. We did Bank of America and then we mm-hmm. did HBC, then we did Silicon Valley Bank. Um, and actually, if anything, like the experience gets worse, uh, the more of a startup bank you use. Uh, yeah, the funny thing in the US is there's, I think, 6,500 banks or something like that. 
but the smaller banks or the more niche banks like Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they don't write any of their own software. So you end up having uh, kind of like this, yeah, this experience where you're using a bunch of disjoint different services that, that are all like kind of enterprise software that this bank has contracted out. Uh, and it's, it's a really like quite a jarring experience when you're used to using like kind of high quality products and the rest of the things you do. Are there, were there specific things that you needed back then that you weren't getting, or is it more just the, the packaging of, uh, and the experience around all those things? Yeah, I think there's, there's kind of the everyday annoyances. So, you know, you'd get charged fees for all sorts of things. So, you know, every few months you'd suddenly get like this monthly fee that you'd have to argue about, you know, like, why am I getting charged $120? And it's, you know, it's got some funny name to the fee and then you have to argue about <laughs> it. So there was this kind of general annoyance where things were just really hard. Things would break. Like if you don't log in for a couple of months, your bank account would disappear, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be like, where did my bank account go? And you'd have to call them up and they'd fix it. Uh, so there was all sorts of just these kind of continuous annoyances. Uh, and then my previous business, we had some specific things we needed. So we were paying up about 600 app developers. Uh, you know, we had for the smaller guys, we had an integration with PayPal and we would automate that. Uh, but for the bigger payouts, we'd have to do it through the bank. And it was just, you know, at the end of the month, it would take three days of manually copy pasting numbers from our back end into the bank, uh, which is obviously very error prone and, you know, in no way automated. Um, so that was, you know, not having an API with the bank was just a frustration. And yeah, even to this day, I don't think any bank apart from Mercury, at least on the US business side, has an API. Um, so that's, yeah, that's something that I wanted to build for. Yeah, I think startups and technology companies kind of expect to be able to automate their business processes. And, you know, we wanted to enable that use case. Uh, and then the other thing that always frustrated me was running finances in the startup. It's kind of annoying. You don't have your own finance team. And the way most startups do it is they have a bookkeeper that basically gives them an Excel spreadsheet at the end of the month plus 15 days. And this is actually how Mercury mostly does it even now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have this Excel spreadsheet and then you're, you're like, okay, what happened? And you have to kind of go line by line, column by column on this Excel spreadsheet to try to figure out what happened the month before. So it's not in real time. It's very laborious. Uh, most of the time as an entrepreneur, you'd rather be doing almost anything else. <laughs> uh, so we were profitable in that startup in the last kind of two, three years. Uh, but it was just, yeah, it was still a cash flow sensitive business. We'd be paying out a lot of money and receiving a lot of money. So we just had to stay on top of finances. And it was, you know, I always thought it was a very manual and frustrating process. And I couldn't understand why the bank, which has all of this information flowing through it on your finances, your revenue, your costs, couldn't give you any kind of insights on top of it. So, so those were kind of the, the frustrations I had. And yeah, obviously when I first felt them, I didn't think, Hey, I'm going to go make a bank, especially since I was like, you know, very busy with my own startup. Uh, but after, after that was finished and this is still my kind of favorite idea and uh, no one else seemed to have solved it. Uh, you, you know, in 2017, I kind of decided to just do it. Awesome. And that makes a lot of sense. And I guess I have a corollary question. Um, I guess you could have decided to sell software into existing banks or why, why did you need to own the, the tech stack? Why do you need to own, why do you need to be the bank to do what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's several reasons, but one of the main ones is I think selling to banks is just one of the kind of most annoying things you can do. Um, so banks are just, you know, these very, very large risk averse enterprise buyers. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, 
you would be, you know, you could easily be like one year into like a sales process and, and still be struggling. Um, so that's one part of it. I think the other part of it is there's kind of like, there's these inherent kind of systemic reasons that banks aren't good and they don't care about software and they don't care about kind of improving these things and just selling to them with more software is not necessarily the answer. So for example, uh, banks don't really, especially in the US, uh, don't really care about depositors. So yeah, when when Mercury's serving startups- They care about your deposits, but not your depositors. Exactly, they don't. It's a, yeah, yeah, they really think of it as a cost of doing business. Like they Mm -hmm. don't want to do the minimal possible for the depositors because they think of that as a cost. Uh, So if you've got that perspective, you're trying to sell software to a bank and the bank is going to be, hey, you know, our software works. Like we're getting deposits. We don't care about the deposits. What we really care about is lending. Yeah, you know, can you can you bring us more loans? Can you, you know, that's where they make their revenue. Uh, so when you've got that mindset where uh, they really don't, like at the end of the day, the lenders, yeah, it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing. And like sometimes I think banks, uh, partly because there's just not been that much competition, haven't really realized that they're in that chicken and egg game, that they need deposits in order to lend against them, and that the depositors are, you know, the people that they will be lending to eventually. Uh, but from their perspective, like they just haven't had much competition on the deposit side. So it's not, and you know, the yield environment has been cheap. So deposits have been kind of cheap for them. Uh, so I think we've just been in this kind of many year cycle where banks don't care about depositors and that's actually part of the reasons why the software sucks you know it's not it wouldn't be that hard to improve the challenger yeah the things that challenger banks are doing whether it's us or monzo or chime like those things could have been done by banks but they just don't have an incentive to do them and it's kind of created this gap in the market so so i don't think like doing software to serve this segment would have solved the problem um and other people have tried selling to banks. Um, yeah, as part of the journey I had in 2017 was to talk to as many kind of fintech entrepreneurs, challenger bank people, bankers, anyone I could find basically who would who would tell me about the industry and I could learn mm-hmm. from. And, you know, I spoke to people who tried to sell to banks before, and I, there was like almost no success. <laughs> like there's been some like yeah. If you, even if you look at the the kind of three big cores that banks use in the US. Uh, they're all like 40 year old companies, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's very little kind of startup success in that space. So, so uh, let me ask a follow on question to that. Um, so being a bank, obviously address, it sounds like it addresses your, your needs and, and, and what you were looking to, to meet head on. What about um, working through a partner bank, right? You, I, you're not a bank yet. Um, is that something you're going to go after? Um, how important, I guess, is it to have a charter to do what you want to do? Yeah, I think the most important thing, and sometimes fintech entrepreneurs miss this, is is actually making a product that people like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, at the end of the day, the easiest way to do that right now in the US is to work with a partner bank. Um, and it gives you a lot of flexibility. I mean, they've already kind of, they're already regulated, they already have a compliance team, they built out all of this kind of stuff, and you can partner with them and, you know, basically borrow it. Uh, and it one of the things that's kind of tricky, especially in the US uh, with the charters that are available is kind of startups and being a chartered banker on an opposite axis <laughs> from the, for example, startups want to grow as fast as possible, whereas mm-hmm. regulators don't want banks that grow as fast as possible. Like that's not, you know, that's not, that's a scary sign from a regulator perspective. 
and then startups also often run multiple years or many years as unprofitable entity entities and that's also something regulators don't want they don't want uh, unprofitable banks uh, which makes sense from a regulatory perspective mm -hmm. so that kind of means that there's kind of this inherent kind of yeah bias at least in the us there isn't yeah in the uk there's this kind of uh startup banking charter which which uh, protects against those kind of uh situations but in the us at least it just makes sense to work with the partner bank uh, and once you have like some level of scale uh, it might make sense to become a bank yourself um, but where, where that number is is kind of tricky and also changes with regulation and time so uh, yeah, even three years ago when I started this, basically there was no startups or tech companies that had a banking charter, um, right. at least in the last like 10 years. Uh, whereas now Square has one, uh, Varo has one, uh, and there's a couple of other people that are, that are kind of pursuing it or deep in it. So I think that's, it's changing, you know, this, uh, like the barrier to entry to becoming a chartered bank is getting lower over time and the knowledge is improving uh, and the regulators are kind of understanding that you know there's all of these fintech challenger banks that have like you know millions of uh, customers and they should be thinking about uh, servicing them uh, rather than all going through partner banks so i think this it's changing so even in in two years time from from now when you know maybe we would be in the market for a, a chartered bank uh, we yeah i think the environment will be very different and maybe more receptive to it Got it. Can, can we talk a little bit more about the product? It looks like you have um, two different types of products or at least two different types of pricing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's mostly one product and we, you mm -hmm. know, we try to give as much away for free as we can. So it's, yeah, there's no minimums, there's no monthly fees, anything like that. The only thing we charge for is wires just because they cost us money. So we charge uh, on our basic stuff. We charge $5 uh, for domestic wire and $20 for international wire. Uh, we have a account which we call the Tea Room account, uh, which we give to slightly bigger companies. It's basically aimed towards kind of funded startups. Uh, there we give domestic wires for free uh, and we have some kind of perks and rewards that we have from our partners that are a little better um, and more suitable for funded startups. So there isn't you know, that much of a kind of definitional difference. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to have some more features that make sense for funded startups that will be available for tea room customers only in the future. Uh, but, you know, we don't try to make it like too hard to make meet that criteria. It's just, uh, yeah, you just have to be either part of an accelerator or, or funded startup. And, wh and what's your revenue model? Uh, so the main way we make revenue right now is uh, through debit card interchange. So, mm -hmm. you know, we give people a virtual card and a physical card and uh, we make a percentage on every, any swipe. Uh, we do still make a little bit of money on deposits, uh, although it was a lot better back when the Fed rate was higher. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, we send deposits over to our partner bank and monetize those as well. And you know, we're having a lot of guests on our on our podcast um, that are rolling out um, premium accounts with some type of subscription model. What's your thinking about subscription banking? So. I don't think at least in our industry makes sense. So you know, what, what it comes down to is like, what's the revenue you can make per user? Uh, and how does that kind of, you know, do you need to get to a level where you need to kind of charge the user directly to do it? Uh, so for us, we actually make, you know, around $50 per user per month, uh, which is way higher than uh, what is made in the kind of consumer field. Uh, 
So due to us, A, targeting businesses and B, targeting a certain type of business. So the two types of businesses we target are kind of funded startups and e-commerce companies. Uh, and both funded startups and e-commerce companies kind of have this power law in them where, you know, our top customers have like more than 20 million in deposits. Uh, obviously, there's not a ton of those 20 million depositors. There's a bunch of other people that have like, you know, a few thousand in deposits. Uh, but you end up making a disproportionate amount of more money from like these top customers. Uh, similarly, in e-commerce, we have, you know, people who um, do like more than 500,000 in revenue a month. Uh, so because you can make so much more money on those, I kind of think of the uh, our kind of proposition as almost a freemium proposition, right? There's a bunch of people we basically don't make any money on, uh, mm. but then there's like a the bunch big of accounts pay for the smaller accounts. Exactly, uh, huh. and it's you know with entrepreneurship, you just don't know, right. We a lot of our customers, about thirty five percent of them start using Mercury from day zero. Like they just started a company and they use Mercury and you just don't know which one's going to be the big one and which one's going to be kind of a lot, yeah, a non-money-making customer for us. So from my perspective, I think, you know, I could give away free accounts all day long and make money on the big ones. Uh, and I think that's much better for entrepreneurs as well. Like they don't, you know, they don't have to stress about like missing out on features and premium or, or worry about some minimums or other fees. Um, so, yeah, I mean, originally when I started this company, I was definitely, you know, in my, in my revenue model slide in 2017, there was definitely like SaaS based premium, you know, premium pricing, but now the more I do it, it's just like, you know, if you do the maths, like maybe we could charge $10 a month, uh, maybe 10% of customers will do it. So, you know, on an app, on a blended basis, you end up at $1 per customer per month. Maybe we could make on like SaaS, whereas we make way more revenue on just our base, uh, our base kind of revenue model. So I, yeah, at least for our business, it doesn't make sense. I think it's super different when it comes to kind of consumer banking, especially if you've kind of targeted the underbanked or the unbanked. Uh, in that space, you don't have that much deposits. You don't have that much spend to work with. Uh, so you do end up kind of, you know, you can really on a blended basis make way more money if you've got this premium kind of service. That makes a lot of uh, sense when you explain it that way. Um, I'm curious about how, how you get new customers. Uh, you know, most of it actually comes down to word of mouth. Uh, the difficult thing in banking is a, especially in business banking, you know, not everyone wants to switch their bank uh, all the time or any specific moment. So yeah, there's this timing kind of perspective when you're either starting up your company or like you're, your bank does something super annoying or, or you need some feature, that's when you think about changing banks. So there's a timing perspective and the other part is uh, kind of trust, right? Uh, you know, using a bank is a big deal. You're putting a lot of money into it. There's a lot of trust involved. Uh, so those things are both kind of hard to market against or sell against. Um, so really like the thing that's worked out the best for us is just having a service that our customers really love. Uh, and then whenever someone's you know, having a casual conversation, either online or offline or you know, wherever it is, if someone's like, hey, you know, I'm, I need a bank, what should I use? Mercury's often kind of at the top of people's minds uh, and it happens all the time where you know, there's some conversation about which bank people should use and Mercury comes up. So uh, yeah, more than 80% of our customers kind of come through these word of mouth channels. Um, the other thing that's worked well for us is we have some kind of partnership with incorporation tools. Um, mm -hmm. 
So Stripe, Atlas, Clerky, uh, there's a bunch of kind of newer ones, Jumpstart, First Base that uh, recommend Mercury to their customers. And that's a super good fit because you know, you've just incorporated, uh, you kind of want to get on with running your company, you need a bank account. Uh, and you know, if Mercury is recommended, it's yeah, especially at the startup company, it's a complete no-brainer. Like we don't have any fees. It's super easy setup. You do it all online. You know, you, you just used a computer to set up your business. You don't want to go walk into a bank branch to set up a bank account. You just want to do it from your computer. Uh, and Mercury enables that. So one another thing we we've heard from a lot of the challenger bank CEOs and founders um, was, you know, this need to go beyond the headline numbers of new accounts, but really get people using the accounts as their primary financial institution. Is that an issue here? If, and and how do you how do you how do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think mostly entrepreneurs are busy people, and they don't want to be thinking about multiple bank accounts. So, uh, yeah, especially if we get in at the start, um, you know, people just use us as their main business bank account. Uh, even later on, you know, sometimes people try us out for a little bit, uh, and then kind of switch over after time. Uh, once you've used Mercury, uh, going back to your previous bank is just so painful <laughs> that no <laughs> one wants to do it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, small things that we make much easier. You know, if you want to pay someone, uh, it's just all smooth and online. And especially if it's a repeat payment, it's, you know, it's like three clicks to do it. If you want to search through your transactions, we have like a full, full kind of historic free text search. Uh, so we have all of these kind of small things that make it kind of like a really pleasant and enjoyable experience. So most entrepreneurs don't have the time or the willingness to be running multiple bank accounts. Uh, so on the whole, uh, yeah, if they yeah, do, the, there's definitely people who like trying us out initially, but once they try us out, they're activated, they kind of switch over completely on the whole. And, and what kind of products and services are you working on? What should we expect to see from Mercury over the next you know, six to 12 months? Yeah, we have some cool stuff coming out in, in, Hopefully kind of mid-November. I don't want to mm -hmm. give it away, but it's kind of, you know, it's that one's targeted to us kind of bigger startups that have raised kind of $5 million and want to want to do something with all that money sitting in their bank mm -hmm. account. Uh, but we're also, you know, continuously improving the things we do have. Uh, we've spent a lot of time around kind of user permissions. Um, so, you know, you have kind of, five people logging into your bank account, but you want uh, some of them to have, you know, certain rights, like not be able to make a wire without getting approvals and things like that. Uh, so that's something we're continuously improving. Uh, and then the other big one we've been working on, which is a bit of a backend thing, but our customers really will like it is we're gonna integrate it with a new international wire provider. So right now we can, you can only send international wires to 50 countries, uh, but after this, you'll be able to send it to 150 countries. So that's been kind of, rolled out to about 10% uh, of our customers, but we will roll it out to everyone soon. Uh, so yeah, so it's, you know, it's a lot of kind of continuous improvements on the, on the software side, on the financial services side, and then we're also trying to innovate, uh, but we're only 55 people. So <laughs> yeah, there's, we're pretty busy. Uh, yeah, obviously also just like kind of serving our customers. And is there the intention to rebundle banking services, like to provide, you know, a full gamut of things or to, to really stay uh, focused on what you do and what you do well? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think there is, there is I a said little or, bit. It could be and, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think there's always a balance. Uh, it's, you know, banking is so broad, and you could definitely get mired in like trying to do 100% of things and do them badly. Uh, we have a bias at Mercury of like doing a smaller set of things but do them extremely well. Um, but we definitely want to keep adding features around the financial stack. Uh, so I think there's an element of like bundling, but doing it kind of intelligently and picking the right next features. Like we don't necessarily want to do 100% of things. There's, yeah. For example, in lending, there's there's so many fintech and non-fintech lenders that are that are serving kind of the startup and tech businesses segment, uh, and we don't necessarily need to do all of that. Um, but there's other things that kind of really fit very closely within within your bank account, and we want to you know instead of having forcing you to go somewhere else to uh, kind of get basic features, we really want to kind of add them all and uh, you know not force you to kind of use multiple services when it doesn't make sense. Emma, thank you for joining us on the Tier Sheet Podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. This is a really interesting chat.